Dear Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise. Lord, uh, I need you to do this task, and I uh, need your help and your guidance, Father. I pray that you, you would speak uh, your word to your people. Uh, my word is not important, Lord. Uh, your word is important. So guide us all to listen and to hear and give us the courage to apply. Trust, Lord, that you are seeking hearts, that you are calling hearts to yourself. And uh, it's just a privilege to serve in this way this morning. So we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it was a big week for me. Two things. First one, anniversary. So I've been married 10 years. And um, to Kareen, she's not here. She's in the first. I'll take an applause. 10 years. I mean, that might be junior varsity to, you know, some of those who've got, you know, into the gold and the whatever. Each one has a, you know, what's what's the gold, the silver, you know. I guess at 10 years, it's 10. You're supposed to give 10 for 10 years. What do you buy this 10? The pewter? Is that 10? Anyway, so I'm still working on an anniversary gift. No, uh, that was Friday. And Eliana, my daughter, was born on um, August 1st as well. And she is six years old. And she's my little Ellie who, hey, and of all the kids, uh, she kind of takes after me the most uh, in terms of kind of hair color. She ended up with the dark hair and just her temperament as a, as a daughter is, is the most like me. And so I was thinking as I was thinking, as I was considering the scripture this morning, in our summer series, the idea of me being a dad and also a son, kind of those two things were going through my mind because, you know, if you're a young parent or if you're a parent at all, you know that you relate to your kids, you have this framework that you came up under, right, parents? You're thinking about how is it for me and my family and I want to do the same or change or whatever for my kid. You're thinking about how do I be a good um, husband, uh, uh, father, or wife and mother, But also, we have this question, what does it mean to be a faithful uh, son or daughter? And this is the question that drives Jesus, because we're in this series, Not All Who Wander Are Lost, and we've looked at, through the weeks, uh, these characters in the Bible who experience these feelings and and these situations where they're just on the outside. They experience uh, exile, some of them. They they feel, you know, apart, away, sent away, wandering, in the desert place. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Maybe you yourself experience these, these ways and, and feelings and, and uh, situations where you just feel like you're on the outside. You can't break in. You're in a desert place, maybe with your family, maybe in a relationship, maybe with your parents if you're a student in here. If you're an adult and your parents are, you know, uh, getting on in years, you still got to relate to them as a mom and dad. And so this is the question when I looked at uh, uh, Jesus as a wanderer, as, those, as one who's on the outside one who experiences these feelings and these situations, this is the question that drives him. So with my daughter's birthday and so forth and me uh, thinking about what it looks like to be a good son, well, in my family of origin, where I came from, it looked like this. Oh, yeah. That's my dad all the way on the left. After World War II, my dad went to Germany, and my dad's a gearhead. I'm not so much a gearhead, but I certainly love horsepower and motorcycles, and that he did uh, pass on. And so there he is uh, somewhere outside of Germany as a soldier. And lo and behold, when I was five years old, my dad made sure that I got some of that DNA in me, and that gasoline in my veins, as a Suzuki JR50, 1982. Mm, I was five years old. Uh, I think this is the day I got it. No helmet. Uh, I think I crashed into the fence, and they're like, let's get the kid a helmet. And, um, 
<laughs> earned, the, earned a nickname uh, Crash there. Uh, so that's what it looked like in my uh, family, among other things. To be a good son to my dad is to say thank you and uh, when he bought me this motorcycle, and also just to share the love of it. Strange, though, there's a story as it goes. The very thing that I got from my dad, a love of motorcycles, was the very thing when I was 17 years old that drove me out of fellowship with my dad. Um, I graduated from the JR50 to the Black Bullet, upper left. That ain't no Harley, okay? Harleys are nice motorcycles as far as they go. They aren't really known for speed. Some of them are fast. That is a water-cooled V4, 750cc. That thing could keep up with a Corvette, okay? <laughs> and it did, and it did. <laughs> then I graduated to the Red Rocket, which we're not going to talk about in this sermon, but uh, that's what we call a 10-second bike, quarter mile, 10 seconds. That's faster than a Corvette. You're like 911 turbo category in that uh, region. I was more mature when I got the Red Rocket. But anyway, so this is about the Black Bullet. I had it when I was 17. I worked all summer on a farm, saved up my money, bought a dirt bike. And then, you know, I got sick of dirt biking. and I said, I'm going to see if someone will swap me. And they had the Black Bullet, and uh, I got it. And um, man, I'll tell you, when I first cracked that throttle open, wound it up to the red line, I was like, oh, this is like a drug. This is, whoa, this is way fast. And sure enough, I put it in the back of someone's car when I was 17. So I'm on my way to work, and uh, whammo, nailed uh, a Ford Escort, ruined it. Someone behind me also hit the motorcycle, uh, hurt that car too, uh, put a couple people, gave a couple people some back problems. Anyway, the cops didn't show up. We tried to work it out on the side. My dad asked me what happened, and I said, yeah, it was uh, their fault. told a big, fat lie. And boy, did I feel like I was on the outside with my dad. See, my dad was a policeman. He enforces the law. Puts liars in jail. Here I am, his son. What does it mean? What does it look like to be a faithful son or daughter? It doesn't look like that. That's an important part of my story. We're going to go through the sermon this morning. Jesus also experienced wandering, feeling on the outside a number of ways. We're going to explore. Jesus, right, he didn't choose his exile based upon his sin. Okay, remember, first week we, we shared in the summer series was about Adam. And the main point of the first week was sin blocks the way. So if you're feeling on the outside, I'm not saying it's all your fault. Sometimes it's someone else's fault. Someone's probably sinning against you. Or just the world just goes off kilter, right? We don't always fit in. We feel lonely, right? We lose people we love. You could show up at a church like Green Tree and we all look great. We all, we all look really great this morning. But you know, you can show up and feel lonely at church. I don't know what your morning looked like, but I've, I've showed up at church before feeling like, oh, I don't fit with these people, right? So the world's off. The world's broken. And see, Jesus comes to fix it. Jesus comes to fix it. But Jesus faces these situations, this loneliness, this feeling on the outside, but he faces it as a faithful son. A faithful son. Jesus faces, the Bible says he was tempted in every way. He faces exile, loneliness, estrangement, abandonment as a faithful son. What does that look like? Well, when he was a little baby, his life was threatened. Mary and Joseph hear from the Lord, say, take that kid to Egypt. He's not safe in Bethlehem. You got to go to Egypt. They go in exile away with the baby Jesus. Remember, Christmas story. When it's safe, God says this, come on back. For out of Egypt, I called my son. 
That's the first thing I read when I was studying. How does Jesus experience exile? I see this. Out of Egypt, I've called my son for a purpose. Because it's a quote from Hosea chapter 11. And it's talking about Israel and Hosea, which is, I mean, Israel's this nation that is God's. And I've called them for a purpose to show what God is like, to show his character. Same thing with Jesus. He's got a purpose for him. He's got a purpose for Jesus. Calls him out of Egypt for a purpose. So the next thing, the next scene that we see is Jesus goes in the desert to be tempted by uh, the devil in the wilderness. He's fasting 40 days. I don't know if it looked like that. Slide, try the next slide. You can laugh at that, That's, by the way. It's okay, we can laugh. It's funny. It's a cartoon, you know. And here we got Batman flying over Jesus. Is that Batman, the shadow? Um, I don't know. I don't know what it looked like when he was in the wilderness. I don't know. Was it in his heart? Was it in his mind? Remember, he's being called for a purpose. He's being called to die on the cross, save the sins of mankind, reconcile estranged men and women, boys and girls, to God, to show them God is a good father. Now, that was his purpose, right? So before he kind of starts his ministry, he gets baptized, he goes into the wilderness. And the devil is offering him a shortcut, a shortcut, no cross. Jesus, you're, you're awfully hungry. You're hungry, aren't you? If you'd fed, you hadn't eaten in 40 days, you'd be hungry. You know you can just make this stone bread and eat. And if you just bow down and worship me, says the devil, everything, all the kingdoms of the world will be yours. I'll give them to you. There's no cross in that. What does Jesus do? He remembers the word of God. What, what would my father want me to do? What does it say? It says, God's word is my food. God's word is my food. It says, I ain't, worried, I ain't bound down to nobody except him. You are wrong. Out of here. Passes the test because Jesus is the faithful son. He faces exile as a faithful son. In my situation, I wasn't thinking about being a, a son, a son of a lawman. I, I was thinking about only myself. I might get in trouble. I might look silly. I might look stupid. I'm going to tell a lie. I wasn't thinking about that. Jesus in the garden. I love these pictures. I like the posture. A lot of these pictures of Jesus, he's way too white, by the way. So if you look on the internet, you know, there's these public domain pictures and, you know, really good art out there, but, you know, he's Middle Eastern, you know? He's just glowing white. And often they should have brightness shining down on him to, you know, to say something. But anyway, I love this posture. This is the night before the cross. This is the night before the cross. He had dinner with his buddies. He says, tomorrow I'm, I'm going to be betrayed tonight and arrested. And I'm going to the cross tomorrow. And he goes out into the night, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, this is where Jesus would often spend the night, most likely, because Jerusalem, he's from Nazareth, which is 90 miles north, travels down to Jerusalem, five-day walk, right? No motorcycles, no black bullets for Jesus, you know, sandals. Walk down there five days. Where does he stay when he's in Jerusalem? Sometimes with friends, many nights on the outside in the garden. So here he is. His disciples are asleep, and he knows he's up against another test. And he says, Father, 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 if it's possible, if it's possible, this is what I want. If it's possible to do the job without me going to the cross, please. Yet, not my will, your will. He submits. I wonder what ways 
What situations do we need to submit? God, I want this. I want my kids to stay at home. Lord, I, I want the job. Lord, I need the money, but not my will. See, a faithful son puts down his will for the Father's will for the cross. Because that's the rescue mission. He's on the mission. And when he's on the cross, he says this, another uh, lament of exile. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is he, is he selling out here? Does he, does he sell out? Oh, he's giving it up. If you were an educated, relatively educated Jew at the time, Jewish uh, boy, for sure, uh, you would know he's quoting Psalm 22. The Psalms are a wonderful book, uh, very real, very raw. This is the first line of Psalm 22. You read the rest of that, it's, oh God, you, you've formed me. You, you know me. You've been my God since I've been in my mama's tummy. Lord, these, these dogs, these evil dogs are surrounding me, but I trust you. I know you're there. I know you're in this. Help me endure. Jesus faces exile as a faithful son, as a faithful son. And what does it do? What does that great act of Jesus, that sacrifice on the cross, innocent person, dies for humanity, what does it do? It fixes the source of exile. Remember, sin blocks the way. That's the whole problem. Remember, we're estranged from God our Father. We're inclined to say, we have no Father. There is no God. Jesus fixes the source of the exile. And I'm saying the source because I'm not saying all of your life is going to be great and easy. You're never going to feel like an outsider if you're a Christian. I ain't saying that. I couldn't stand up here and say that with any integrity. I myself, as a Christian, have been betrayed by other Christians, been lied to. I've told lies. Right? I've made my own bad choices. I've had to live with them, and I feel like I'm on the outside. I'm not saying saying it's perfect. I'm saying the source. Jesus restores the relationship, the pathway between us and God. This is uh, what Jesus accomplishes. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That's how we get into the kingdom where God is the King and God is the Father. We get into the family through redemption from sin. And oh, how great, how great is the love that the Father, the Father lavishes on us that we are called the sons and daughters of God. You might be saying, Nathan, what on earth is the main point of this sermon? Started with the question, what does it mean to be a faithful son or daughter? This is the way. Believe in Jesus and follow him. Believe in Jesus and follow him. That's the main point today. That's the takeaway. Believe in Jesus and follow him. Believe that he's the son of God, the faithful son of God. This was his mission and he calls me to follow. What does that look like? Okay, let me, let me say that I am not the greatest at this. I can't sit here and say, oh, I know God is my intimate father so perfectly, and every day he, he walks with me and talks with me. I wish I had that story. But I can say, going back to the story of the black bullet, there was a point in that story, I don't know how this happened. Remember, I'm estranged from my father, okay? I'm scared of my dad. He's a cop. I just told a lie, criminal, you know, is he going to throw me in the slammer? I know he wouldn't do that. It was more of the shame of facing him. Anyway, so I fixed the black bullet after I mashed it into the Ford Escort. That involved, where I'm from, that involved tying, tying one end of the motorcycle to a tree 
and the other end to a pickup truck, right? Putting the transmission in low, gently pulling, stretching it back out. Sweet, started right up, hopped on it. Anyway, so the black bullet was sort of fixed. I'm still riding it. I'm on my way to school one time, and I'm in the midst of this mess that I'd lied about. It's a real mess. My dad said, son, I'm going to back you up. I'm getting you an attorney. No problem. You're telling the truth, right? I'm going to support you. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm in a huge mess. My parents could lose their house. They didn't have a lot of money. My dad's backing me up. I'm on the black bullet, and I'm riding, and I don't know where this prayer came from me, or how this prayer came from me, but I was a believer. I did believe. I said, God? Actually, I didn't say God. I said, Father. I said, Father. Father, I want to do what you say is right. What you say is right. I want to do. Where did that prayer come from and why? I don't know. But I, be- I did believe in Jesus, and it was killing me to tell this lie. And oh, students, where students, children, if you're in here, anybody, listen. When you tell a lie, it makes it that much easier to tell the next lie. And I was in a web, caught, feeling separated outside, not a faithful son. And here I believed in Jesus, the faithful son, and he gave me this prayer, Father God, help me. And he did. And I can know, hey, I'm not, I'm not great at this, but this happened in my life. I know that. It also happens to other people. This man, Michael Phillips, released from prison this week after 12 years. Accused, convicted of a heinous crime. Innocent. DNA evidence. 12 years. in the loneliest of places. Stolen from him. Innocent. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong skin color. This is what my brother says. My father got me through this. That's all I got to say. My father, God was behind everything. It just makes my faith stronger. Every day. How on earth can you say that? I, I, I don't know. I've got my own peace. He's got a peace. But what are the ways in which God shows himself to be a faithful and good father? Remember, what does it mean? What does it look like to be a faithful son and daughter? It means to believe Jesus and follow him, to follow him. So that's the Bible. We've got some work to do. I can't just preach this in a vacuum. I know life is messy and there are questions. Here's, here's a stab. Here's a try getting some traction on this. In what areas of my life do I feel like God is asking me to believe and follow? It's a good question. I know for sure for me, I, mean, I knew exactly what I needed to do. I knew. I told a lie. I'm a big, fat liar. And I need to say I was wrong. I need to say, I lied. I'm sorry. Not complicated. Sometimes it's complicated. Sometimes it's not complicated. This one can be a little complicated. I know, point number two, I know that I'm talking about God as Father can be for some a very painful category. Very painful. And for some, the idea of relating to God as Father is a very scary thing. My mom and dad were both abandoned by their fathers. And my poor mama was abused. I've had to work through that. Forgiveness, so is my mom. My mom is a Christian. She's forgiven her stepfather. 
and God has shown himself to be her father. So what I'm saying is this is complicated and, and quite deep. I get it. You'll probably need some help if you want to explore this. At Green Tree, we've gone through a, uh, some community groups go through a study called Sonship. Um, if, uh, if you haven't uh, explored that, that's available to you. Also talk to a pastor. Both uh, Tom and Anton have gone through this question. What does this mean? Reconciling some past issues, redeeming that category. Might it be? Could it be? Is it possible? That the pain we experience in that relationship, the trouble in that relationship, might be the very way in which God wants to show himself strong and good and solid and gentle and careful and loving and giving and gracious. Could it be? I believe so. I believe so because God is good. He is good. So, Pursue reconciliation with God and or parents. Super complicated. I get it. Reconciliation needs two parties to kind of come together and say, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forgive you, I forgive you, and let's talk and let's work on it. Sometimes that's impossible if you've lost a parent. Sometimes it's impossible if someone is being impossible. I get it. There needs to be kind of both. But what's your part? Can you say, you know, Dad, I dishonored you. Mom? I dishonored you. I want to be a faithful son. I want to be a faithful daughter. I dishonored you, and I'm sorry. And even, I'm not talking about uh, once you're a Christian, you got to go back and find every single sin, and be, or else God won't forgive you. I, I, don't, I believe you're a Christian, you're a Christian. But I believe God shines the flashlight in our hearts, and it's helped me, I can tell you, to go back over some of my narrative and to be like, I renounce that lie. I renounce it. You know, I'm going to tell you I struggle with it, with a particular sin, Everybody I work with, everybody in my family, probably all the elders on our uh, elder board at the church know that I struggle with this. It's called perfectionism, among other things. But this is a big one. What are the lies that I'm believing? How have I responded to situations of being on the outside? And I didn't think about God. I didn't think about being faithful. I thought about surviving. Will Nathan be a worker? You know, Nathan, get it right. Be excellent. Earn the A. Come on, go. And you know what? The person driving that perfection, that, that perfection is a Nazi. It's someone with no grace. Push hard. And it takes a toll on everybody around me because I'm not being faithful. I'm not following God. There's a lie I'm believing. I can renounce that lie. Lord, I don't have to be perfect. I need to go to bed. Work is work. It's done. I put in my eight or ten or whatever for the day. I'm going to go home, be with my family. It's enough because, God, you're good. You're good. So w- one thing that helps me is to ask, Nathan, are you, ask, are, you, are you acting like a Nazi? Are you acting like a slave? Or are you acting like a son? What good father wants to push their kids to the breaking point? And if you're doing that to, to your kids, fathers, you're hurting them. I'm a first offender sometimes. What good father's going to throw his kid into the deep end without a life jacket before he knows how to swim? Happens all the time. In one way or another. So pursue this. If you can say an I'm sorry, say it. And as far as working through the difficulty of relationships, you might need some help with some coaching on that. Some objections. Nathan, are you telling me to be like Jesus, to believe and follow Jesus? Are you telling me to be like Jesus? That's impossible. And I know it's impossible. 
But hear this. There's a big difference between failing and not caring and failing and caring. Because God, I want to please you. That's what being born again is all about. Jesus says you got to be born again. You need to be forgiven and you're born again. You're born, of, you're born anew. You are a new creation. And now a creation that says, God, you are my father and I want to be faithful and I'm not here and I'm struggling and I need someone to help me. Is it that hard to admit that we just cannot do it and we need help? Is it that hard to tell God that we're sorry, but we, we want to follow, we want to be like him? That's, that's the difference, you see. You are not going to be just like Jesus. And Jesus, you are not going to pay him back. But he's asking you to follow him. He's asking me to follow him. And he's faithful to complete the work that he starts. To reconcile, impossible. Sometimes, yes. Agreed. You got to do our part. Say your sorries. Pursue it with care, with help, with coaching, with books, with pastors. I get it. Which one goes first? Believe or follow? Yes. C.S. Lewis, right? He was an atheist. He's like, I got to go down this road until I got to explore every doorway and I figure it out. Uh, There's others that are like that. I don't know. Uh, Philip Yancey was a journalist and he's got to investigate the claims of Christ. Before he knew Christ, he investigated the claims of Christ. uh, I think that's uh, Yancey. So some of us, we got to leave no stone unturned. I got to really see if this is the real deal before I follow. Others, just like, I'm still kind of figuring it out. Like the disciples, Jesus says, just follow me. They didn't know what they were getting in, themselves into, but they followed him. He had the authority to say, you're following me now. Okay, sure. We'll figure it out on the way. So just go with it. Let me resolve the story of the black bullet. So, long story short, the next day that I prayed that prayer, I prayed that prayer for God's help. The next day, I met a Christian The next day, it helped that she was blonde. It helped. It did. I was in high school, you know. She's pretty. We did not work out as a couple. No, no. But she invited me to church. But I didn't go. That's much too cool, you know. I was on the black bullet. But then I met another Christian and another Christian. And then a friend of mine who'd become a Christian, and they invited me to church. But you want to know what? I showed up at the wrong place. They invited me to youth group. I showed up at the wrong place. Where, where do I go? I end up in the main service Wednesday night, 45 minutes late. And I sit in the back by myself. How on earth am I here? I'm not a church person. This is weird. Where are my friends? I didn't find the youth building or whatever. And that preacher read my mail. God was reeling my, reading my mail. Glory to God. And it said, Nathan, Repent reconcile with your father, admit that you lied, and son, you are forgiven. Oh, I was excited. I didn't know how I was going to get out of this lie. I didn't know how I was going to pay the money to pay these people off and fix their car. I didn't know how I was going to do any of that, but I was excited. I felt an immediate sense of freedom that I just, I'm going to make this decision. And I went home and I told my dad, my, my dad ain't a perfect man, Okay, he'd be the first to say. But he got this one right. A man whose father abandoned him and whose son betrayed him. That's what the hug looked like when I came home. And I said, Dad, I lied about that accident. I'm sorry. All he did was hug me. 
Dad, you got that right. Thank you. Now, for some of you and your fathers, your parents, it's impossible. And I'm sorry that that's gone. God does have a way of filling the gaps, you know. There are fathers in the church, older brothers, older men, that got it, that are gracious, that get it, that would love to hear your story. They're kind of few and far between, sadly. We're working on that, Green Tree. But they're there. I see a few in the congregation. You know who you are, my allies. I can offer you a hug in Jesus' name. But I know it's possible with God, and it's not hard. It's always possible with Him. He will never cast you out. You come to Him. So I'm suggesting that the main point today addresses the question, what does it look like to be a faithful son or daughter? And I'm suggesting believe Jesus, believe what he did, believe who he was, and follow him. Last week, I shared uh, one point of the sermon was seek the light. I'm saying follow Jesus. I'm also saying in this series, seek the light. Consider the fact now, as we conclude, that the light may be seeking you, that Jesus might be seeking you. Why? Because that's what he does. He came to seek and save that which is lost. Friends, students, children, moms and dads, single people, do you believe this is for you? And will you follow him? Let's pray. God, we covered a lot of ground. And I know in my own heart, some stones have been overturned. And Lord, I don't like what's on underneath some of those stones. When we start talking about ways in which I've dishonored my dad and ways in which I've dishonored you, God, it hurts. Because I have acted like an orphan, like a slave, like a Nazi, trying to prove myself, trying to save my own skin, Lord. You know the ways in which I struggle in this, and I continue to struggle. But I believe you've showed yourself to me once and over and over and over again. You are God. You are good. You are a father. Thank you for your patience. Thank you that you seek us out. Thank you that you have not given up on us and that you are there available, available to those who come to you. Lord, thank you for your work and your word. Help us to accept uh, what you've given to us so graciously. In Jesus' name, amen.